Introducing the new City Life Church app. The City Life app enables you to listen to messages from Sundays, browse and keep up with connect groups, stay up to date with church life through our blog section, and much more. Download the City Life app today. Welcome to the City Life podcast. We are all about making Jesus known. We pray that these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. If you're having a seat, if you have your Bibles, Bible apps, whatever, Luke chapter 2, verse 4. Say Luke 2, 4. All right, no, most of you are ADD in here. I'm just going to do it again, all right? Luke 2, 4. You, say, you might think, how dare you say that? Well, no, I know it's like ADD people follow an ADD pastor. That's the way it is, okay? So Luke 2, 4. I just know. I just know the truth. Hey, speaking of um, people and, and sons, my son Preston speaking was up here people. with me a minute ago. But you're a people too. And this is my youngest son, Ian, right Hello. here. And um, we're launching today's message with uh, just a little... First of all, just a little welcome because we're doing something very different today. We're, we uh, asked our boys and girls to be in church with us. Now, I want all, if, you are, if you're a kid and you're typically back there somewhere, I, you know, little boys, little girls, listen up here, look up here. This is Pastor Tim talking. All right, here's what I want you to do. If you're not normally in here and you're back there somewhere, I want you to say, Hi, Pastor Tim. Come on, say, your, your say hi, Pastor Tim. Hands. Hi, Pastor Tim. See, see, I know, I, you, you're awesome. And one of the things about, about Ian is Ian is doing what I was doing when I was exactly his age. Uh, Ian runs our elementary ministry, and I did the same thing. And, and uh, he, he is back there usually with the children just about every Sunday morning. But I invited him in here to help welcome the kids today and help get them revved up. So boys and girls, listen to what this man has to say. Parents, you better listen too, because he might get something out of this. All right. Okay, I just want to invite all the, all the kids in here who uh, never get to go into the big service, one day you will be. I just want to uh, tell you real quick that this service is going to be uh, maybe a, a little more boring. My, my side isn't, though. But, I mean, you're, you're good at like, talking to like, like oldie-moldy people. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. What? So... So I, I just want to invite the kids. Hey, and I just want to share with you, um, share with you a Bible story that I personally love. It is an awesome Bible story. It's found in the Book of Luke, chapter two, um, verse four. Or yeah, yeah that's four, where it starts. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I'm it into it the starts Bible. around there. Yeah. So there were some shepherds, and they were in their field at night. And it was a dark, windy, cold winter night. A winter night. Not a winter, a winter. They were tired. They'd been working all day. They were stinky and sweaty and dirty. They were, uh, they were yawning to themselves, trapping up the day. Then something happened that changed their lives forever. Changed their lives forever. An angel appeared out of nowhere this bright magnificent light shone and they flew backwards landing in the dewy grass and getting even <laughs> muddier than they originally were and the shepherds were absolutely terrified it was an angel that had appeared to them the angel said hey don't be scared dude y'all don't be scared the angel said y'all trust me 
Don't, don't look it up. And the shepherds were like, no, we're scared. This is weird. This is so weird. The angel's like, calm down. You don't need to be scared of me because I've got good news. Yeah. I've got fantastic, awesome news. The Savior of the world has been born. And the shepherds were like, great. Uh, let's go find him. And the, she- and the, uh, the angel, he's like, okay, hold on, hold on. So you're going to find this, this, uh, this king. He's, uh, he was just born. You'll find him in a stable. The shepherds are like, uh, uh, a what? The angel said a stable. Like, okay, a stable. The angel said you'll find him in a feeding trough. Shepherds were like, uh, a wadding trough? The angel said a feeding trough. They're like, okay, all right. He said you'll find him wrapped in cloths. Yeah. The shepherds were like, all right, all right. Let's go find this child. And then, out of nowhere, a legion of angels appeared. That's a lot. A legion of angels. Oh, yeah, Fantastic yeah, yeah. amount of angels. And they all worshipped God together. And after that, the angels went up into heaven. And the shepherds were left in astonishment. They were no longer scared. They were booking it to Bethlehem booking to find Bethlehem. that <laughs> child. They found the stable. Yeah. They found a girl named Mary, a guy named Joseph. Yeah. And they found the dirty, grimy feeding trough. And they found baby Jesus yeah. sitting inside. That's kind of how the story happened, right? Yeah, it really I, is. I know the angel it said really y'all, is. right? Boys and girls, is that, do you think that's how it happened? Yeah. It is. Yeah, Thank you, yeah. Ian. Thank you, Ian. Okay, so I'd like to ask you a question. Kids, boys and girls, you listen to me too. I'm not just for the oldie moldy people. I used to be a children's pastor, right? so I, I get this stuff. But I want to ask you and everyone else a question. Do you believe the Christmas story? I mean, do you really, really believe the story that's in the Bible? I mean, listen, have you ever considered how that story impacts our lives today in the big city in the 21st century? It all took place in this little tiny country village where there's no concrete. There were no office towers. They didn't have coffee shops. There weren't any condos. It was just the rural countryside, and it was a setting where there was just these humble, working, lower-class shepherds from the fields around Bethlehem and they were in this pursuit of Jesus and and this Jesus was the one the savior that was supposed to redeem all mankind and they wanted to worship him he was in fact going to be the king of not only the world but the universe and uh, nothing and I mean nothing was going to stop their pursuit that story of the shepherds is found in Luke chapter 2 and I want to read to you what's found in the scriptures would you read along with me I want you to see exactly what the scriptures say happened I don't think they said y'all and I don't think they booked it but it's very close all right take a look at it Luke chapter 2 verse 4 so so Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified." The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, which is Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. 
you will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. I love that story. Uh, in fact, I remember memorizing that passage of Scripture when I was in my own children's church. And, and, and uh, I memorized this whole thing. Are you guys impressed with that? I mean, you know, I, like, ooh, like, ooh. I, yeah, I was a little kid. I was memorized. But the bigger deal wasn't just that I memorized it. I beat the smartest girl in my entire church. Her name was Tammy Tyson. And it's because I memorized one verse or one sentence more than her when it came to time for the quiz day. I won. I'm telling you, little Timmy Woody even got to stand on the stage and recite that, uh, that, that verse, that whole passage from memory at our Christmas service. I loved it, yeah. But you know, really though, Christmas services have always been some of my favorite. Uh, Mom would dress me in my Christmas best and I'd go on the stage and Sometimes standing there with dad and I'd quote a little line and, and we had this tradition of people who were up there at Christmas services, you had to hold a candle. And I, I, but I remember this, I was terrified of those candles because I knew the candles made wax and they burn you and I just knew at any moment it was going to fall on me and I was going to scream and run off the stage. I was so petrified about that. But I, I would stand there on the stage with all my little friends at Christmas and sometimes we would sing a song and gaze out trying to search for mom and dad and brothers and, and I, I'm the kid uh, on the right with the gold knee socks. God help me. <laughs> but I'm telling you, those are great memories. It's so cool because just right before the service, I talked to a little girl who was on the stage last Sunday and I said, do you remember last Sunday? And she brightened up, yes, I was right there on the stage with you. I'm telling you, moms and dads, parents, keep your kids in church. Let their best memories be right here because they will come back to it as an anchor. At the end of each one of our Christmas services, though, dad, my pastor, would give out these small brown paper bags, and they were filled with candy and nuts and either an apple or an orange. I mean, David, did the same thing? Did you guys do the same thing at your church? See, our dads, they must have known each other, all right? And, and we called it the Christmas treat bag, and we would do it, and, and, and I always knew what was inside of them. I even knew every type of candy that was inside of them because my brothers and I, along with my parents, we would stuff them in the living room each year. We did. In fact, my brothers and I, I'll just, just time to confess sins. My brothers and I would sometimes think, well, we want extra treats, so we'd put some like the cooler candy or the better treats in some bag and then we kind of mark them and we put them at the bottom of the stack so just in case you know they wouldn't get it out to anyone else we'd accidentally get them at Christmas time but what dad would do in that final Christmas service is dad would take those bags those treat bags and he would toss them to all the children and all the teenagers and then if we had more you know we'd go to some of the adults but my brothers and I were under strict orders that we were not allowed to get our little treat bags until we knew that every other person in the congregation had served, just in case we ran out. So, and sometimes, you know, we didn't get them. Other times we got them like with extra stuff in it that we had planned. You know, it's just, you just never knew. But the cool thing is, is that dad always made it clear that Christmas 
was about Jesus and our pursuit of him. See, I was raised in a, in a home where the Christmas story was commonplace. And we believed it, and we believed all of it, and I still do today. See, Christmas in my home was very much centered around Jesus. Now, uh, we loved getting gifts, and every other child loves that too. And, and we, even, uh, you know, we even got the latest. I would get the latest electronics. I loved music, and so we'd get the latest. Yes, I'm telling you, we did have electronics back then. That is evidence and proof right there approximately 1968. And you know what? I, I love Christmas because I would see myself in the Christmas story, but where I was, I always saw myself as one of those little shepherd boys running to see Jesus. But I've never stopped pursuing him, and I still pursue Jesus. I do it with my prayer and my worship. I pursue Jesus through my relationships with other followers of Jesus. I pursue Jesus when I attend church, and I worship with other followers of Jesus, and I still pursue Jesus even when I'm serving in the community or just walking down the streets of my city. I pursue Jesus still in my home and with my family. And the pursuit of Jesus from the shepherds, though, it was... It was physical. I mean, they, they literally physically ran. Probably just a few hundred yards away, right under their noses, was the Savior of the world, the Messiah, God himself, in human flesh, laid right there in an animal feeding trough. And they went straight for him. And here's my question to you today. Are you in a pursuit of Jesus this Christmas? Now, when I say in a pursuit of Jesus, what I mean is, are, do you want to be more like him? Do you want to love people the way you love yourself? Do you want to live generously? Do you want to impact culture? Do you want to make a difference in the world? Do you want to live out your God-given purpose? That's what it means to be in pursuit of Jesus. And if you say, well, no, I'm not in the pursuit of Jesus, then I want to say, why not? And I'll tell you, I know one of the biggest reasons, especially today, why people don't, and it's because of fear. Fear and unbelief actually rob people of the blessing of them walking into their destiny that they could have if they would truly pursue Jesus. Now, we know the shepherds were dealing with fear. Ian illustrated it well, and it's so clear in the scriptures, and the angel had to tell them, stop being afraid. There's nothing to be scared of here. But they were terrified. I mean, and it's just like this fear of the unknown. Sometimes that'll keep you from pursuing Jesus. I'll just say, though, it's totally unjustified. The fear of the unknown, it is paralyzing. It really can be. Phobias are a part of life. We all have them. Uh, I know my primary phobia is I don't like heights. It's called acrophobia. Uh, when I see like construction workers or cleaning, window cleaning people over on the uh, up high at Burnett Plaza building, which is our tallest high rise here, it's just two blocks away, I feel anxiety for them. I get dizzy. I get a sick feeling. I hate queasy. And, and I, I just, I, I start praying for them. You know, it's like they don't, I don't know whether they need my prayers. Now I start praying for them. And actually, I'm really then I find myself praying for me because I'm feeling sick and I'm afraid, you know, something's going to happen to me just looking at them. But think about it. Is that what happens in your emotions when you think about really believing Jesus and pursuing Jesus? If so, I'm here to say that phobia is unjustified. There are a lot of different types of phobia, uh, but most phobias are caused by some type of a negative past experience or stories from other people. And these fears sometimes get magnified and they cause then what I call emotional paralysis. See, most people won't pursue Jesus because they have these emotional fears based upon maybe what they saw on television, what they read online, or what they heard from another person, as if serving Jesus somehow turns you into some kind of a freak. It's a phobia. 
I'm just here to say it doesn't make sense. Uh, it, it's, it's actually, in my opinion, the phobia of, of, of following Jesus and believing in Jesus, it's almost like some of the legitimate phobias that are really quite humorous. And if you have one of these phobias, I'm not making fun of you, but I seriously doubt you would. One is called aerophobia. That's actually fear of drafts, of a draft, you know, not getting drafted, but the draft. Uh, there's also called porphyphobia. That's the fear of the color purple. It's real. It's real. You can look these up. Here's chetophobia, like cheetah, you know. It's the fear of hairy people. You know, there, there are other fears out there that it's real. There's levophobia, which is fear of objects on the left side of your body. And then there's dextrophobia, which is fear of objects on the right side of your body. Now, I know a lot of you have that, all right? And then there's auroraphobia, which is fear of the Aurora Borealis, the northern lights. It's real. There's thalassophobia, which is the fear of being seated. None of you have that right now, I hope. Uh, little kids might because they're up and running around, but that's okay. That's fine. That's fine, all right? There's, uh, you, you can get this. There's odontophobia. It's the fear of teeth. <laughs> There's graphophobia, which is the fear of writing in public. And my favorite, though, is phobiophobia. It's a real phobia. It's the fear of being afraid. It's kind of funny, back in the uh, 1890s, electric lights were first installed in the White House, and President and, uh, and Mrs. Benjamin Harrison, uh, they were so afraid and they were intimidated by electricity that they actually refused to touch the switches. This is in history. They, if there, and, and seriously, if there were no servants around to turn the lights off at night, they would sleep all night with the lights on in their bedroom. Think about this. Their fear of that unknown power prevented them from enjoying life. And just like the Harrisons, our ancient first family, ridiculous fear can also prevent us from taking action and even put us into a worse condition than we would have been in. And that's what keeps a lot of people from making the message of Christmas real instead of a fable. And it's just fear. It's the fear of pursuing Jesus. You may, you may be afraid of exposing your real self. You might be afraid of responsibilities, the unknown. You might even be afraid of rejection or you might be afraid of relationships. And sometimes we even fear, some people fear that, that only weak or, or deceived people go to church or, or, or that, that you're going to be asked to do something that is uncomfortable. But if you focus on your fears, you're going to become emotionally paralyzed and you're going to do nothing and you're going to miss out on what could be. You will, I can say this honestly, you will miss out on your destiny that God actually created you for. Because God has always made it clear. He is a rewarder of those who diligently, passionately pursue him. It's in the scriptures. See, fear could have stopped those shepherds from pursuing Jesus, but they overcame their fear, which was a big step to them, and they walked off their job, and they left those fields, their responsibility, they left their security, they left their livelihood in pursuit of Jesus. And I'm telling you, since they had the lowest jobs, if they were to get fired, there wouldn't be another job for them. See, pursuing Jesus is so much more, more, more than just going to church. Pursuing Jesus is, is trusting in the promise that God is going to work things out for you. He's going to work things out in his way. Things are going to be worked out according to God's time and according to God's economic system. Some of you, you're really stressed out. and A lot of you, you're fearing some things that are very real and maybe some intimidating troubles. But I want to make this clear. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. But Jesus says, I have overcome the world. So when we live in him, 
we're overcomers as well. Do you see that? That's why I pursue Jesus. See, pursuing Jesus opens my life up to all of God's possibilities, which are vast and huge. And it challenges us to believe that no matter what we are facing in life, whether it's tragedy, whether it's war, whether it's disaster or terrorism or oppression or hunger or marriage problems or hopelessness or disease or financial fallout, the message of Jesus remains, take heart, I have overcome the world, not just live in me. I'm telling you guys, there is hope in Jesus. And there are no God-forsaken people. There are no God-forsaken places. And there are no God-forsaken situations. And it doesn't matter how low you are. It doesn't matter how much you may even despise yourself right now or how far that you have fallen. God has not forsaken you. The evidence of it is you're here right now today. See, Jesus goes by this other name that I shared earlier, and it's Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And today, this Christmas, I want to say Emmanuel is, is here. God is with us right now. He is here, and he's with us all the time. And even the smallest little step that you can take toward Jesus is that pursuit of Jesus, just that small step. So today, as we hear the story again this year as we bask in the reality of what Christmas means, we have to ask ourselves, is this a truth or is this a fairy tale? My question to you is, do you believe? And if you receive it as truth and you pursue Jesus, then nothing will be impossible with God. And you can expect the unexpected. And, and, and we, we can only honestly assume then that this means that God will help us turn our impossible hearts around as well because some of you you're even looking at your own heart and saying it's impossible but God is saying nothing's impossible with me give me a chance because I don't even care what you've done God can and God will forgive you and restore you and God can and will give you a fresh start and wipe the slate clean because he is here for you Jesus said these words they found in John 16 3 16 and 17 he says, for, it says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever what? Believe, whoever what? Believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son. This is important. Hear me well. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, which means you. But he came to save the world, which is you through him. See, I, I believe that. In fact, one of the things that I do to re renew and restore and revitalize my faith, because I have to do it as well, is, is I will take this scripture and I will personalize it for me, just like you can for yourself. Let me read to you my personalized version of this scripture. Leave it up there. It says, For God so loved Tim that he gave his only, one and only son, that as Tim believes in him, Tim will not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn Tim, but to save Tim through him. Hey, don't be afraid. Take that step toward Jesus and believe and pursue him for yourself and never stop pursuing him because he is here. Believe it. He's already taken that first step toward coming to you. He, he came to this earth in the form of a baby, but he came so he could grow up and die on that cross for your sin and for mine. And what better time than Christmas to look inside your own heart right now and ask yourself this question, am I willing to make one 
small step toward Jesus. I'd like everyone in this room to please close your eyes, examine your own heart, and just let me ask you the question, will you believe? And if you want to make the decision today to fully follow Jesus, to fully believe, which is pretty simple. It just means you're going to take one small step toward Jesus. That's all. And you want to give your life to him have, and then be able to live with your sins forgiven, believing that God wants to spend eternity with you. If you want that and you're ready to take that one small step toward Jesus, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand when I count to three so that you can be included in my special prayer. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift your hand if that's you. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. Who else? You can put your hands down as you lift them. Who else wants to pray that prayer with me right now? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you lifted your hand, I want you along with every follower of Jesus Christ right here in this room to pray these words with me. Will you do this? Come on, pray these words with me. Everybody, dear Jesus, Thank you for pursuing me and believing in me by coming to this earth and dying for my sin. I believe you're the Son of God. Please forgive my sins. Today I give up my past and I embrace the future you have for me. Today I begin my pursuit of you, Jesus. Today I believe. In Jesus' name, amen. City Life is able to continue making Jesus known through the consistent investments of many. And if you would like to invest financially into the vision, you can do so at citylifefw.org. Simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from City Life Church. You can stay connected through Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And we look forward to seeing you on Sunday.